podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. We're thankful for the reasons it's the best part of the fall. The crossover of seasons, football and basketball. So grab yourself a pumpkin brew or beverage of your choice. All the best smelling wildcats are here with Bosco's voice. Oh, don't you know we're on a podcast with Bosco's voice? Because I love Thank you. Thank you very much for giving. Boom, the boys are back, and this is the final episode we're going to have before the K-State-Texas game, the Chisholm Trail rivalry. I'm nervous. I've been nervous basically since about the second quarter of the K-State homecoming game versus the Houston Cougars. Uh, Once I knew that game was over, already started getting nervous for this one. This is what being a sports fan is all about, though. And look, I'm going to be honest with you guys recording this on uh, Halloween evening, 843. I have no idea how long this is going to go. This could be the episode. There may be zero whipping around at all, but I have a treat for you. We said the last time he came on, we were going to talk before the Texas game. We're not going to talk about what happened the last time I talked to this man. (laughs) We're just not going to. Look it up if you want to, or just trust me, don't worry about it. It is the grand Pumbaa of advanced stats with K-State. He is the man who has single-handedly changed how an entire fan base watches games. He is best friends with some of the biggest big brains in the entire world, and you can hear him every Sunday on the K-State Online show. But you know what? He was our podcasting prodigy first. He is on the Mount Rushmore of guests, and his sons hate it when I talk him up so much. It is the man, the myth, the legend. I'm so happy to call him my friend, Jimmy Goheen. Jimmy, welcome back to the show. Uh, I, I see you sipping on a whiskey. I had I had a beverage or two earlier. Now I'm drinking a Powerade Zero. But how are you, my friend? It's been too long. I'm jealous. Mason, I hope you don't like Mason and Drew better than me, uh, but you're like podcasting royalty with them over on the KCA Online show every Sunday now, too. Hey, I, I enjoy doing the KSO Sunday show, but Scott, there's nothing like going on Bosco's Voice and being on with you and talking uh, advanced stats, talking K-State football, talking K-State basketball. Um, it, we've been doing a long time together. Seems like, and uh, I will always come on your show whenever you need me. So just anytime you need it, let's do it. Well, I appreciate it. And and really what we're going to do here is we're doing like another checkup. We did like a halfway through checkup on K-State. Now we're, I mean, gosh, the season flies by. We're three-fourths of the way through, and we're going to weave in some talk about K-State Texas along the way. 
Um, before we talk about K-State Texas, as we are here, the, the Big 12 race is turning into like the hodgepodge that we all thought it was going to be. We all knew coming into this season, hey, it's going to be wild. It didn't seem like it for a while. For for the longest time, everyone thought, okay, Oklahoma and Texas are going to run away with it. But now here we are in a five-game or a five-team pileup for first place. So who on the positive end of the surprise spectrum, who, who surprised you the most? That's a good question. And you, know, you know me, I had to go through and I went back to my average preseason rankings from all the uh, major networks, Kelly Ford, CFN, Athlon, um, SP+. So I looked at those and I looked at kind of where teams are now on average in those rankings. So um, I'll, I, have a, I have a couple, so I'm going to give you a couple. Um, my first one would be West Virginia, just because it seemed like Neil Brown was on his way out. Um, they looked in dire straits. They lost to Pitt, I believe, early in the non-con. Um, no, they beat Pitt. They beat Pitt. They beat Pitt. They lost. Yeah. Who they lose to in the non? They got their well. So the scoreboard showed them getting their ass kicked by Penn State. That's what. Um, yeah. Penn and State. then, Our, but people said it was I, closer. I didn't watch the game. But. I got. I got my northeastern teams mixed up there. Pitt anyway, is, they, they they did beat Pitt. Pitt's, Pitt's, Pitt's dreadful. Pitt Penn State is beat them. So bad. Which looking back isn't an awful loss, but you know they had some. They've had some good wins in the Big 12. They're three and two currently. Um, and they are 12 spots better than their projected uh, average ranking in the preseason. They were they were projected to be number 60 in the country. They're currently in the upper 40s. So that's a pretty good move for them. Next one, um, I've got to give credit where due, even though I don't like to, would be Iowa State. Sitting at four and one in the league. And this one, I think maybe even more so because they had the gambling issues to start the season, lost some key players. They lose two games in the non-conference to Iowa and Ohio, I believe. And then it's looking like, man, this team might not win uh, a game. But they're 4-1 and one in the league, and they're the only team that's beat Oklahoma State. And they're currently 11 spots better than their preseason average. So give them credit. The final one, the, the team with the most spots better than their preseason average is the Kansas Jayhawks. And some of that is due to their win at Oklahoma, uh, against Oklahoma, even though in the metrics that win was a little bit fluky because Oklahoma actually was better in points per drive and a lot of other stats. But because KU st- scored a defensive touchdown in a one-score game, uh, they get the win, and that counts. But, you know, we talked about it on KSO boards today. KSU, uh, KU has forced seven turnovers in Big 12 play and has three touchdowns off seven turnovers. And basically, you could almost say they won two games, BYU and Oklahoma, because of defensive touchdowns, not because of their offense, which is really what uh, they're hanging their hat on. Their defense is still ranked in the 80s and 90s in the metrics. It's still not very good. And then they've had Jalen Daniels injured, so uh, you would expect them not to be great. But they're 3-2 and two in the league, and they're 19 spots better than their preseason average, um, sitting in the mid-30s right now when they were projected to be near 60. So – those would be my three biggest surprises in the league. Yeah, going back to that KU Oklahoma game, give them all the credit. They they won that game. Uh but but it is wild. I I think that I think I saw Parker say that the net success rate like that was like the 10th worst net success rate this season for a team that won the game. And funny enough, it wasn't even the worst one that week. 
NC yeah. State with Clemson, it, it was even worse. But that 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 again, you know, uh, it's about as close to as what you would call a fluke win as possible. But hey, the win column doesn't care if it's a fluke or not. It was a win and good for them. Um, let's move into disappointment. I I think I know where this is. I it, again. Uh, I, I'm all emotion. I am all emotion. You, you know, I, I I have no idea what the numbers are going to say. I think there's an obvious number one. I'm going to be interested if that is where it comes up with you. So who has been the biggest disappointment so far? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is a good. This is a good question. I, I, I kind of, I think the obvious answer would be Texas Tech, just because they were the dark dark horse. Um, but currently, they're only seven spots worse in the metrics than they were projected, um, because they have good metrics. TCU is kind of in a similar boat. TCU is also down uh, in the metrics about seven spots when they were, were from where they they were projected in the league. Uh, TCU was projected third or fourth, and, and Texas Tech was fourth or fifth. Uh, but the the team that has been on the biggest slide is the Baylor Bears, because they are currently 39 spots worse in the metrics than they were projected, now ranking in the upper 70s when they were projected to be in the upper 30s. And just brutal metrics for the Bears. They have gotten killed uh, in a lot of games. That One of their wins was the, the fluky comeback against UCF which doesn't help your metrics when you win a game like that. So Baylor has been knocked down. Another one, I don't really count them because I didn't think they'd be very good, but Houston is 19 spots worse in the metrics than projected. Uh, and Cincinnati is is around the same. So those two teams, but we didn't think they were very good anyway. I think they're just worse metrically than maybe we thought, but they're still not very good teams. But I, I do like Texas Tech is the obvious one, but Baylor, the metrics have been brutal to them this year. So when I had this conversation a couple of weeks ago with the 10, 12, um, I, I, I had Texas tech as my, you know, biggest disappointment because in my preseason rankings, I had them at three. Um, yeah. So I bought into the hype, but the, with Baylor, I didn't when I submitted my ballot, but I tell you what, right before kickoff started, you know, the week leading up to, it, I was thinking to myself, you know what, know who I, I was too bearish on the Baylor bears. Nope. I, I was not bearish enough that, I mean, how do you keep Aranda? I, I know he's yeah. only a few years removed from winning the Big 12, but after what happened last year and what's happening here, I don't know how you keep him. Yeah, and, and you know, we saw what I think is a pretty bad team last week in Houston, and I think Baylor might be worse. It'll be interesting to see uh, if they play uh, one of those new schools again. I mean, Baylor did get their second Big 12 win because they beat what uh, – they beat uh, Cincinnati, I believe. Yeah. yeah, Cincinnati or BYU, one of the – I think Cincinnati. Yeah, so they've, they've managed to beat a couple of the new schools plus the UCF comeback, but they're they're just brutal on both sides of the ball in the metrics. So we'll see what happens. We, we'll get them in a couple of weeks, so we'll, we'll know. Yeah, hopefully we put their season on ice and end any weird hope that they have for winning out and going to a bowl game. Um, 
Before we move on, uh, you know, talking about how we're disappointed in Baylor, disappointed in Texas Tech. I'm never disappointed in Manhattan Brewing Company. Folks, if you want margaritas on Tuesday, if you want bullet cocktails on tap any day of the week, if you just want to sit back, have a good time, and have a soda pop from their fridge, look, you have plenty of options, even if you're not a big beer guy. But I'll tell you this, if you're of age and if you if you are drinking, you know, I, I'm not I'm not condoning any underage drinking. If you're just not a drinker, that's fine. But if you enjoy the occasional adult beverage, I would challenge you to talk to whoever's behind the bar, talk about flavors you like, stuff you like. I bet they will draw you your new perfect beer, your new favorite beer, even if you don't think you like craft beer. That's my challenge to everyone listening. The next time you're in Manhattan, have a conversation with the bartender, and you're going to find your new favorite beer at Manhattan Brewing Company. Shout out to them. Again, I've only done two podcasts that I've visited probably 15, 20 times. I've only done two podcasts there, and it's you and me doing Blitz Month previews in Manhattan Brewing Company. We might just have to do it again next year. Uh, let's let's focus on K-State, and let's let's start with the offense. You can tell me if I'm right or wrong. Again, I was going off of just vibes only. But I feel like the offense is even better than it was last year, even after losing two All-Americans, even after losing uh, – what what was my tweet? Like three of your top five rushers, number one, three, five, and six pass catchers, all this type of stuff. I, I mean, I think they're better. Is Am I accurate? And if I am, how are they doing it without those playmakers? Yeah. Crazy thing is, Scott, you are accurate on that. And uh, the the crazy thing is um, the average defensive rank of teams we've played so far this year is, is about 43, which is probably slightly ahead of the average F-plus defensive rank of teams we played last year. Really, on you know, the F-plus can be uh, – I mean, it's it's not a perfect science. Um, we've only placed, faced two defenses ranked outside the top 40. And that would be UCF and Houston. Everybody else has had a defense ranked inside the top 40 um, in, in the F plus. So we've played pretty good defense. Now we're going to play a good, a really good defense this week um, when, when we see Texas, but we'll get to that later. Um, the crazy thing is there's multiple areas. K-State's better um, starting with the running game. The running game is actually um not a lot better in yards per carry. It's right now it's 6.1. We're on track, actually, for uh, perhaps a, a K-State record for yards per carry in a season. Last week and not last year in, in the regular season, the 12 regular season games, we fig- finished at six yards per carry non-garbage time. Uh, but the success rate is really where the difference is. This year, our success rate in the running game is 54% currently, which is really good. Last year, we finished the regular season at 44.7%. So we, we have almost a 10% increase in running game success rate. And then that's with the percentage of the runs being about the same, about 54, 55% both seasons. Um, we've, seen a, a, we've seen a big increase, especially lately, in the power run game. Um, right now we're at a 51% success rate, and I'm just calling power anytime we pull linemen. We, sometimes we'll pull Gillum, sometimes we'll pull BB, sometimes we'll pull two guys. Sometimes we've been pulling three guys at times this year, so – uh, anytime we pull somebody, when I chart it, I count that as a power. Uh, we're at 51% this year. We were only at 40% last year. So 
almost 11% increase in success rate. And, and again, that's based on down and distance. We've talked about that before. And we're about 0.4 yards per carry better in power runs, 5.7 compared to 5.3 last year. So that's with DJ Giddens and Treshawn Ward, not Deuce Vaughn and DJ Giddens. So that's pretty, pretty impressive. And even more impressive, and this one surprised me when I looked at it today, our zone running game is at 54% success rate this year compared to 49% last year. And again, 4.9 yards per carry, 4.5 last year. So 0.4 yards per carry better in zone run. So that's kind of crazy to me. It, well, and, and I'll say this again, just watching it, and maybe it's because the spectacle of seeing these 300-pound stallions just moving like majestic beasts, and that gets <laughs> you all excited. And, and you know, uh, a lot of Cooper Beebe's highlight plays have come when he's been polling. Um, but hearing how well we've been doing also in the zone running game, uh, that really surprised me. Um, when you're looking at it, you know, obviously the, the power is a little bit better. Um, is there anything, because you're watching these plays, you're drawing up the gifts. Is there anything that's sticking out to say, hey, this is why it's, it's uh, going better? Or does it come down to, hey, it's offensive line execution and maybe you have two running backs that are capable of maybe running through an extra tackle, falling forward and getting that extra yard to make it a successful play. Well, I, th- I think we've really seen the offensive line come together the last three games, especially a little bit against UCF. Um, we had the hiccup at Oklahoma state. We all remember that, but overall, you know, the offensive line was a bit disappointing, but I do think, the switching around Cooper BB from guard to tackle to guard to tackle until Duffy came back really kind of messed with the the synergy and the cohesion of the offensive line. I think we've seen that come together down this stretch in big 12 play when we've been playing well. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, and I think that we have a pair of backs that probably are more prone to sticking with the scheme not that Deuce was trying to make his own thing, but I think Deuce was told at times to go make a play. And I don't think Treshawn Ward and, and DJ Giddens are going to be as prone to that. And I think that that helps the overall success rate uh, of the running game. And I think it's – it's and, and plus, DJ's a bigger guy. DJ's going to run through a few more tackles than Deuce Vaughn was able to. And even Treshawn Ward's a little bigger than, D, than Deuce was. So I think I think having a little bit bigger back that can – run through some tackles. We saw, you know, DJ ran, run through some tackles last week against Houston. Um, so that's, that's been big. I, the, the other thing is quarterback run is also much better this year. Um, some of that's Will Howard, some of that's Avery Johnson, but you know, our team, Adrian Martinez was no slouch running the football. So I, I don't think we can just say it's Adrian, Mar- uh, uh, Avery Johnson's success as part of it. We're actually over one yard per carry better and quarterback run this year, 7.7 compared to 6.5. And this year we have a 62% success rate in the quarterback run game, which is incredible. 52% last year, which is still really good. So um, we're running it a little bit less with the quarterback, about 1% less than last year, but but that's been good. Jet sweeps are down a little bit better. Uh, you know, we had a huge one, though. I mean, we had the 75-yarder from Malik Knowles the first game. And we've actually had 17 jet calls in six games this year compared to only 15 last year in 12 games. So uh, we're, we're actually running more jet sweeps and especially the last two weeks, we have 10 in the last two weeks. Uh, So I think that's an adjustment we've made is running jet a little bit more, even if it doesn't lead to as big a plays. 
And then finally, I get to the pass game. Uh, the success rate is actually slightly higher this year, 46% compared to 43%, both years at 7.2 yards per play. I talked about this a little bit last time. Uh, play action and RPO has been a lot, lot better this year, which is tells me that we've we've made some improvements. Uh, 61% success rate in play action and RPO and 10 yards per play compared to only 40% success in 6.6 last year. So almost a 21% improvement in success rate in our play action pass. Drop back is down a little bit, uh, 44% success and 7.7 yards per play last year, and it's down to 38% success this year and 6.2 yards per play. So, uh, we, And we do run a lot of drop back, so that's something we've got to get better at. Um, screen game is better this year, uh, 57% success, six yards per play compared to 43% and six yards per play last year. So um, a lot of it, we're not as explosive as last year. I think we all know that, but we're more consistent. We're better at moving the chains. We're better at third down rate. So the consistency of the offense is really where we've seen the improvement. I think that's two things. I think it's a veteran quarterback in uh, Will Howard and him coming into his own along with that offensive line getting their cohesion. We kind of expected maybe in early in the year, but I think the the Duffy injury probably had a much bigger effect. We talked about that last time too a little bit. The Duffy injury had a much bigger effect, and now we're seeing that team, that offensive line come together. All right, so when you look at the metrics, when you look at the rankings that you really like, is K-State's offense, when you look at it nationally, is it elite or is it just elite adjacent? I think we're approaching elite. Points per drive is my go-to stat. We've talked about that before. K-State is in, in, in just FBS games, so throwing out SEMO and non-garbage. We're currently at 3.2 points per drive, which is number 12 nationally. Only The only other, big, uh, only other K-State team that has approached that, and this does not go back to the early 2000s, which we don't have points per drive for, but 2012, that offense finished at 3.21 points per drive. So we're currently matching the 2012 uh, offense, which finished in the top 10 nationally in all the metrics. Defense is up as well, 1.57 points per drive, which is the best in the climate era. Number 23 in the country currently, they've steadily got better as the season got has went along. So top 25 in both, I would say we're approaching elite on offense and probably more elite adjacent on defense, but the defense is getting better every week. Uh, then you look at yardage rate. We've talked about yardage rate being something we both like. We're currently at 58%, which is number 12 nationally. So we're 12 in points per drive and 12 in yardage rate on offense. So that's pretty close to elite level, especially considering how much we've complained about the offense this year. We're talking about one of the best offenses in K-State history, and people have pounded the offense this year. So I, I have a theory, and I've brought it up on the show before. I, I'm interested in what you think about this. I think th the reason why, and I think it's whether it's an NFL team, whether it's a college team, or if you're too into your high school team, I feel like the offensive coordinator is the <laughs> most hated person in the world. And I think it's because everyone's like, all right, you know, it, it's easier to understand, you know, what you're doing on offense. Either the play works or it doesn't. There's not nearly as much, uh, you know, or you can dumb it down very much. There's so much to it, especially at these high-level colleges. But I've I've kind of come to this epiphany, and I haven't said it on my show before. 
I think it stems from everyone grew up playing NCAA football or, or playing Madden yeah. and being able to score 60 points in five minute quarters. You know, I, 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 th- I think that's made people <laughs> yeah. think that uh, scoring is easy. Uh, so when you're laying this out, like, Hey, you know, it, it, for the time that we have points per drive, this could be the best offense we've ever had. And people are still getting mad at Colin Klein. And again, I, I'm not, a, you know, I, I get sucked into it too. I sometimes find myself like, Oh, what, what's going on with Will Howard? But like, he's better than he was last year uh, yeah. versus uh, with some of the match. You can, yeah, you can yeah. like intercept it, but you could make an argument that he is at least no worse than he was last year. Um, so I like, do you have a theory as to why the offense is always the whipping, like after the Missouri game, what we scored 30 points or, or close to it, uh, versus probably the second best defense we're going to see this year. And, uh, it, it was the defense or the offense that was getting, uh, you know, crushed on the message boards. Yeah. I, I think it's, I think people watch the ball. They see the bad, they see the good, uh, they think they know. I think, like you said, I think people think they know offense. They think, you know, any – you still see it when every time you run the running back into the line, they think it's a dive. K-State hasn't ran a dive in the climate era, as far as I can remember. So uh, the other thing is, defensively, I, I bet – I don't know what the percentage would be. I bet 50% of fans, probably more, couldn't even tell you if a defense is running man or zone coverage. Like they, they couldn't even tell you. It's pretty easy to tell by the demeanor of defensive backs. Although some teams hide it pretty well, but a lot of people couldn't tell you. They couldn't tell you. They couldn't tell you where, what gap assignment each defender has, you know. And I so because people are just more prone to like offense. People are more prone to like scoring, and people are more prone to think they know how you do it and how you throw a pass and how you run the ball well. So, I I think you're right. I think it's just. You know, people, you grew up playing Madden, you grew up playing NCAA football if you're old enough, and uh, it's easy to score. It's easy to score. All you do, you got to find the team with the fastest guy and go to the edge and, and go score. It's not that hard. How how can this be hard, Colin Klein? Get it to your fast guy and call the plays at work. So I, mean, I think it comes down to that. But, you know, at the end of the day, the other team's trying to, trying to stop you, and, and they've got pretty good scouting. They've got pretty good coaches too, so. I think, I think with the offensive line injury, with the wide receivers, you know, struggling probably more than we expected, and then with two new running backs, I think Colin Klein deserves a ton of credit for what he's done this year with this offense. And and Klineman's done well too. I think the secondary was brand new. Um, we've you know you lose uh, Daniel Green, and now he's got this offense, this defense humming at a top 25 ish level in the country. So both coordinators have done an excellent job. All right. Before we, we'll, cause we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the defense. Uh, we we've said all these great things about the offense where, if anywhere, do, do you think that they're really starting to struggle on offense? Well, I, I think I mentioned it earlier that the drop back pass game um, has been pretty bad. You did a 38% success rate and it's, it's over a third of our offensive calls is drop back passes. So, when you have that low of a success rate, you're only averaging 6.2 yards per play on dropback passes. Um, that's not good. You got to get better there, or you've got to run more play action, or you've got to run the ball more, which we've done the last three weeks. We've run it 
almost two thirds of the time in the last three weeks. So that's an answer. I don't know if it's an answer against Texas, but it's, it's an answer. And then you mentioned the interceptions, turnovers. You know, K-State has turnovers on 12.8% of possessions in just Big 12 play this year, which is currently number 11 in the league. Last year we finished Big 12 play at 8.7% turnover rate, which was number two in the Big 12. So uh, you can't afford to turn the ball over uh, over 10% of the time like we are right now. you got to get that number down to 9 10%. And we're kind of moving that direction, but – uh, we've got to continue going that direction, and and we'll see. That'll be, you know, one of the things we got to look at against Texas is is can we protect the football? Definitely. All right. Before we start talking about the defense, I'm going to talk talk about my friends at Charlie Hustle. First off, by the time you guys are listening to this, surprise, we have another shirt to give away because. Bosco's Boys is part of the 1012 network. As much fun as we like to go back and forth arguing with some of our, you know, fellow podcasters, we love being part of the 1012 network. And guess what? Charlie Hustle has a separate deal with the 1012 network. I have a deal. Hey, legacy. I'm I I'm the flagship. I get it. No, but for real, there is a separate agreement. And, and I was talking to my guy Philip Slave, and he said, Hey, Scott, look, I know you have a deal with the 1012 network. But we have a separate one, and we get one shirt to give away every week during football season, and we're doing it with the game of the week. Well, folks, we know Bedlam's going to be a big one, but K-State-Texas, the Chisholm Trail rivalry for the final time ever, is the Big 12 game of the week. So that means we get a giveaway, another Charlie Hustle shirt this week. So go over to Bosco's, boys. Find the tweet. It's going to go up Wednesday around noon. Retweet. Follow us. Follow the 1012 Network. Follow Charlie Hustle. Boom, you're entered in for a shirt. If you want a bonus entry, share with me your favorite K-State versus Texas memory. It can be any sport. It can be football. The Colin Klein game where we only threw the ball four times and kicked their ass. It could be basketball. You know, Jeremiah Massey taken down. Texas in the octagon of doom. At least I think he was on that team. I I don't remember. I remember kind of watching it on TV and going nuts. He was. Okay, perfect. There we go. My memory is still good. It could be K-State sweeping Texas the year that we won the Big 12 in baseball. Whatever your favorite K-State Texas memory is, tweet it at Bosco's Boys, at Charlie Hustle, at 1012 Network to get a bonus entry. I love Charlie Hustle. I have way too, it's not too many. I have so many of their shirts. I have a ton of their crew necks. I have a couple of their joggers. I'm wearing the joggers right now. And they just launched the Kansas City Skyline Big 12 t-shirt. So buy yours to trigger a Utah fan and support Charlie Hustle's brand new partnership with the Big 12 as well. All right. Flipping to defense. And there, there were some rough games, you know, especially, you know, giving up some big plays. But over the last 10 quarters, I don't think K-State football versus power opponents, and we're going to use power lightly when referring to Houston, but against power opponents over the last 10 quarters, I don't know if K-State has ever had a better run of things. What have they done so well over these last 10 quarters? Yeah, it's a good question, and it is good to see this defense show pretty vast improvement. Um, 
first thing I got to go with is, is K-State has developed a pretty elite run defense. Um, you know, I, I'm not one that use – I don't – I'm not going to go with rushing yards per game, but I do look at stats like uh, EPA or PPA. They're number 14 in the country. Success rate against the rush is number 16 in the country. Stuff rate, which is uh, another metric. They're number one in the country. Line yards, uh, the number eight in the country. Um, power success rate, they're number 11 in the country. So tons of ways that they are arguably the number one or number two rush defense in the league up there with only the Texas Longhorns. Um, so so that has been pretty impressive. Uh, we've seen the pass defense improve. Uh, the pass defense had some struggles early, uh, struggled a little bit in Missouri against Missouri. But they've moved up into the 40s in most of those same categories I just mentioned, uh, success rate, PPA, uh, some of those kinds of things. Even explosiveness, the pass, pass defense has moved in the top 40 and pass explosiveness allowed. So those those two things, um, forcing a few more turnovers lately has been good as well. Uh, but having that elite rush defense and then backing it up with a pretty good pass defense because that's the other thing. Teams are rushing it against K-State only 41% of the time, which is the 11th l- lowest rush rate against a, a, a defense in the country. So teams are – K-State forces teams to throw it because the run defense is so good. So that would be the, to, to really the key to what Klanderman has done this year. And, again, that's super impressive when you have a, have a some new guys on the defensive front and then you lose Daniel Green to injury early in the season. So, so a lot of credit to those backup linebackers that have come in and played well, especially true freshman guys like Austin Romain. So – I love when you send out your charts and I, I think, I mean, I, I don't think it's arguable. I, I think it's Texas and K-State top two yeah. offenses in the league. When we look at defense, how does K-State's defense, uh, you know, stack up against rest of the conference? Yeah. Good question. Number two in points per drive and big 12 only behind Texas. Number one in per- t- touchdown rate allowed. Uh, but they're number six in yardage rate and number seven in turnover rate. So I would put them at the number three defense in the league right now behind Texas and Iowa State. Um, so that the, 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 the thing about our defense is we have given up yardage at times. So our yardage rate is, yardage rate is more toward the middle of the league, but we've done a pretty good job of holding teams to field goals. We saw that against Oklahoma State even. So um, shoring up that is, a, is okay. It's – I wouldn't call it quite bend, but don't break, but it's it's kind of there because we've also given up explosive plays. But we've we've done a good job of, of improving in explosive plays given up, especially in the past game lately. So so that has been a key to the improvement. And, uh, you know, holding teams to field goals really in today's football is really a win. You just can't give up touchdowns. So a lot of the detractors, uh, and I've, I've seen it on Twitter, I've heard it on other shows, point to K-State's, you know, renaissance in defense and pointed out, uh, you know, backup quarterbacks, uh, you know, versus UCF, backup quarterback uh, and down to the third string with Texas Tech, backup quarterback with TCU. How would you respond to folks uh, who are trying to use the backup quarterback talking point to detract from the K-State defense? A couple things. I mean, there's some – Credence to that. I, I wouldn't just throw that out for one. But there's also some, um, number one, sometimes when you face a backup 
that you haven't prepared for that can that can change things. And I think that you know that was the case maybe early against Texas Tech when they had success, and then we kind of slowed him down. Um, but but then I'd say you know Donovan Smith was not a backup quarterback for Houston last week. The Houston pass offense was not some slouch. They had a really good set of receivers and a very experienced quarterback and, and arguably one of the best pass offenses in the league in case they just completely shut it down. So um, they passed the test in, in that game, I think, um, in really destroying that Houston offense and, and holding them scoreless for what the first time in, what, 20 years or something like that, something crazy. Uh, to hold Houston without a, a touchdown or without a point. So um, there's, a, there's a little bit to that, but, you know, it's it's part of the game. And then to dominate the way they have the last 10 quarters, like you said, it's not just playing well. They have completely shut these teams down and took them out of their games. And, yeah, you know, so I, I think there's there's a lot of merit to what the defense is doing, especially when you throw in what they did last week to uh, Houston – while they're not a very good team, did have a very good passing offense and a, and a pretty good quarterback coming into that game. All right, we're going to get your take a little bit of K-State versus Texas because, again, it is the game that when it kicks off, I will be nervous for almost close to a full seven days for it. But, again, <laughs> that is the fun part about being a passionate sports fan. This is way more fun than, you know, casually flipping on the Royals in August uh, and watching for a couple innings before you just turn off the TV. Way better to be this emotionally invested. Um, When you look at K-State's offense versus Texas defense, how is K-State going to attack it? Because, again, I I think that Texas is, without a doubt, the best defense we're going to see this year. Um, you know, at least Missouri, I think their front seven was very good. And then we're going to see a good second. And honestly, I I shouldn't disrespect Iowa state as much as I want to, that's going to be a very good defense Mm -hmm. at the very end of the season. But up until this point, without a doubt, the best defense we've faced. So how does K-State's offense match up with them? And how would you attack the uh, Texas defense? If you were hanging out with Colin Klein and he came to you and said, Hey, what do you think I should do? Well, they, they do have a really good front. The defensive front is really good. I mean, they're really good on all levels. I mean, they've got a really good linebacker that leads them in tackles, uh, is a really good player, maybe one of the best in the league. Um, Jalen Jalen Ford, really, really good. Um, they've got some really good guys up front, some pretty good secondary guys. Um, I would call them the number one rush defense in the league besides us. So that's going to be a challenge because we're going to want to run the football. Um, I do think – the quarterback run game does bother them a little bit and can bother them a little bit. We saw Oklahoma and, and Dylan Gabriel have some success. Um, but I think you have, you've got to come in and be balanced. You've got to find a way to be balanced. You can't be one-dimensional against that defense. Um, so that's going to be uh, what can Will Howard do, what can Ben Sennett, Phillip Brooks, Jace Brown, um, those guys do in the, in the passing game to open some things up to keep Texas from just teeing off on the the run game. Um, you've got to you've got to manage um, and find some ways to get explosive plays. Something K State hasn't been good at, and it's really you know the the biggest weakness in the Texas defense is giving up some big path plays. And again, not something we've done well, but but when you look at the metrics, um, they are not very good in pass defense explosives. 
uh, that overall there are 106 in explosives allowed, and then pass defense explosives there are 110. So uh, that's something you can get on them if if you if you get your spots. Um, but does, do we have the guy that can do that? Is, can Jace Brown does he have the speed to go do that? Is Philip Brooks crafty enough to do, go do that? Is uh, Ben Sennett crafty enough in the passing game to go get open and do that? So that will be one of the the big challenges. Uh, we've still got to run. I mean, we're gonna have to have what 160, 170 minimum rushing the ball, um, four or so yards per carry. Like I said, only four teams have managed four yards per carry, or three teams have managed four yards per carry against them. So we have to make find a way to do that because that's going to be a tough tough road to hoe. But I think the diversiveness of our running game, the addition of the quarterback run game. The way we can mess with people with formations and unbalanced and, and doing some some of the crazy stuff that Colin Klein does, I think that does <clears throat> present some things for Texas that, that will be a little bit tougher to prepare for, too. All right, let's flip to the other side of the ball. How does the K-State defense match up with Texas, who, again, uh, weirdly enough, as much as I, I don't want to – give credit to Missouri, you know, that they're probably the most explosive team we've seen up until this point. Um, And and I think Texas is the most explosive team we're going to see this season. So how does K-State's defense match up with them and how would you attack the Texas offense? Yeah. And and that, that's really going to be the the challenge They're They're 22 in explosive explosiveness and number 10 in rush rush explosiveness in the country and K-State's number 98 and rush explosiveness allowed. So that's that's a big challenge. Um, K-State's pretty favorable. The, the funny thing is Texas's success rate in the run game is only number 92 in the country, so they're not real consistent, uh, but they're good at getting the home run. Their line, line, yard, which, line yards, which is a really good metric for measuring kind of how well your offensive line is doing based on running game, is the only number 70 in the country, so that's not real great. Uh, their power success rate is only 123 in the country. So they don't just maul people and move people up front. They're not just going to overwhelm you with their front. But Jonathan Brooks can break it, and uh, he's going to get some big runs on you. But he's, but it's so, it's so uh, methodical until they get those big plays because he doesn't have – he's not as explosive as, say, even uh, Bailey from TCU or – uh, Texas Tech's running back as far as explosiveness compared to the number of runs he has, but he has a lot of explosive runs just because they don't really use more than one back that much. He's the main guy, and uh, he's got 923 yards rushing for a reason, uh, <clears throat> and he's going to get some big plays, but can K-State keep <laughs> those 10, 20-yard runs down to maybe under four or five in the game? You do that, then you have a really good chance. All right, if you were going to present the Boneheads with your one or two biggest keys of the game, keys to victory, what would those keys be? Uh, Number one would be that rush defense preventing explosives and keeping Brooks from from having a bunch of big gainers. I I think that's going to be the way Texas beats us is if he averages seven or eight yards a carry and gets 160, 170 yards rushing. So that would be number one. Uh, number two, K-State's got to run the ball four yards a carry or better. Got to get a success rate in the run game, 45% to 50%. Got to get a good mix of D.J. Giddens, uh, Treshawn Ward, and then quarterback run game. 
Um, I think you you pick a spot or two. Maybe you get Avery Johnson a big run because you know you can get an alignment against him. Um, of course, you got to keep the turnovers down. You can't throw interceptions. I don't know. I don't know if K-State's got to be like plus two or three, but they've got to keep that at least even. I do think with uh, with the Texas quarterback Murphy, I do think Klanderman is, is going to be able to give him some looks and bait him into mistakes. And then do you take advantage of those mistakes? Do they become an interception or are they just a pass broken up? That's To me, that's a lot of, a lot of it <laughs> for defenses is, do you turn those mistakes a young quarterback makes in the turnovers, or do you just knock a pass down? Because that's a big momentum play in football. And then you've got to watch the Texas returners. They've got two really good returners. Xavier Worthy had a punt return last week for a touchdown against BYU, which was their opening score. Uh, they've got a really good kickoff return guy too. So um, K-State hasn't had the explosives in the return game. Uh, we've seen the the coverage units both be pretty good. We've seen Tenet become more consistent with field goals. Uh, but can you prevent those big returns from Texas? So those would be kind of the biggest things that I see on both sides of the ball. All right, let's get into players that you need to have a big game. Picks to click. Give me one guy on each side of the ball. Um, I, I think if, if Will Howard's going to be the guy, he's got to be the guy. And he's got to play well. He's got to have an efficient passing game, you know, 175 yards through the air, probably minimum, probably needs to push 220, 225 passing, complete 65% of his passes, um, at least a two-to-one touchdown-interception ratio. Um, I think probably another 75 yards on the ground from Will. I think Will Howard might be the key in that regard. Uh, defensively, um, probably one of your secondary guys, even though we've got to stop the run, you've got to prevent the big pass play. Uh, so a guy like J- Jacob Parrish, can he go out there and get an interception, not pick a ball off, uh, get three or four passes broken up? As they're trying to throw down the field to Xavier Worthy and Mitchell and those guys. So um, those would be my two that I think really has to be uh, big guys. There's going to be other guys on defense, of course, as well. Uh, but but I think a secondary guy is going to be the key, and I, I'll go with Jacob Parrish on that. All right, and now's the time. I I think it's going to be a grinder. I said in the game preview, and part of it's pessimism, and part of it is I have not picked K-State to cover the last two weeks, and then we've just completely destroyed those teams from Texas. So there's a little bit of uh, superstition. There's a little bit of pessimism. I had Texas 27, K-State 20. Where are you at for this game? Again, you're you're doing this on Wednesday. We're not going to sick the boneheads on you if you have a different score in your game preview piece over at K-State Online. Um, so uh, you get a free pass. So at, where's your head at right now uh, for what you think the score is going to be? Well, I think um, I've got Texas with the same amount of points as you do, Scott. But I've got the K-State offense playing much better. I've got K-State 34 Texas 27. Six of the last seven games between these two teams have come down to one score or less. I think it's going to be the end. The only one that didn't was the COVID year, which we don't count for K-Staters. So I think um, – I do think this is the year Kleiman gets over the the slide he's had against Texas. I think secretly somewhere in his head he wants this game badly. 
I think he he probably believes in his head he's a better coach than Sarkeesian. And I think he he realizes he's had a couple, uh, the 2019 game and the 2021 game, both were games that we should have beat Texas. And I don't think he's going to let that happen again. I think he's going to have his team prepared. I think Will Howard is going to be ready. Will Howard's played these guys twice and lost as a starting quarterback. And so I, I, I think just all those factors coming together is is going to lead to a K-State narrow win. It's going to be a close game. It's not going to be fun probably, but K-State's going to come out of there with a win. I I said I said something uh, to a coworker. Uh, they're asking me. I I can't remember if it was the TCU game or maybe it was the Texas Tech game. I can't remember. I said I I think K State's going to win, but it's not going to be fun watching them. They're like, what do you mean? Like, what's going on? I was like, well, look, you know, uh, as emotionally invested as I I get into these, and whether or not I should be that emotionally invested, you know. Uh, I'm talking to my people. We're all that invested. So, you know, it, it doesn't matter. We're all in the same boat, but it's, but those games are not fun until the final whistle goes. You know, I think back to that KU game in Bramlage last year. Yeah. Looking back on it. Oh man, what a fun game. That was so awesome. In the moment, it was horrible. It was torture. You're having like body move. Like you feel physically sick watching those games and then at the end you're walking out and you're like oh yeah that was awesome but in the moment it is horrible uh and and i do think you're going to be right i don't i don't see a scenario where either one of these teams runs away with it and it's not going to be a fun morning watching college football you just hope that when you turn off the tv and you pour that whiskey that you're feeling happy and not sad so it's going to be a fun, like looking back on it for a neutral, for a neutral fan, for a, a generic Iowa Hawkeyes fan who's tuning in and seeing real football being played. They're going to have fun watching the game. No one else's. No, no K State or Texas sure. fan is sure. going to have fun watching it in the moment. That is true. That is true. It's going to be. It, it's the the funny thing is after those games where you emotionally invest. The, the the enjoyment that comes when you win is pretty darn great. It's oh, it, pretty pretty fantastic. Like being able to listen to the post game radio show, take in as much college football content afterwards, absolutely amazing. I love listening to opposing fan podcasts after we beat them. Oh, that's amazing. But if we lose, I I will do <laughs> I will do the show. I and, and here here's inside baseball. I'm going to record the show very close to after because I'm flying out to Las Vegas on Sunday to see K state take on USC on Monday. I'm not taking my microphones with me. So I'm going to record two episodes, uh, you know, in between that game ending and going to sleep on Saturday. And those are going to be so miserable if we don't get the win. Um, so for my own sake, I hope we get it. So Jimmy, uh, you're on the K state online show every Sunday afternoon. It usually gets published. You're riding over there. I think everyone knows where they can find you on Twitter, KSU underscore fan. Um, so what message for the Boneheads would you like to give them? Because I did all the plugging uh, before you got the chance. So just tell the Boneheads, tell K-State fans anywhere, anything you'd like. Hey, enjoy. Um, I, I think I say this all the time, but enjoy the ride of being a K-State fan. Enjoy the moments. Um We've had the two losses this year, but we're a six and two football team. We've had some pretty, 
pretty fun wins the last few weeks. Um, who knows what's going to happen Saturday? I think it's going to be good for K State. I think we're on another fun ride this season with with a with a really fun team to watch. Um, enjoy that basketball starting up. I think it's going to be a fun season as well in basketball. And uh, I think we're we're in a pretty good time to to be K State fans at this moment. So enjoy the ride. Um, don't take the losses too hard, and probably don't get too happy with the wins. But find that that happy medium. Um, of, of, of enjoying what it's like to be a K-Stater because uh, you could be a fan of some other team and you're not. Very true, very true. Uh, hopefully it was a, a confidence-inspiring um, exhibition game. Uh, we're doing a little time traveling. I will I, I will, will have had a uh, exhibition and basketball uh, conversation with, probably with myself that's going up on Thursday. This is the Friday show folks. I, I gave you a bunch of Jimmy. I'm not, I'm not going to uh, torment you guys with hearing from anyone with the Texas perspective. If you need a Texas podcast to listen to uh, check out the Longhorn Republic show, uh, which is part of the 1012 network. Um, I can direct you places if you want, but no, I wanted all Jimmy for this one. Uh, so yeah, I hope everyone had a great week. I hope anyone traveling to Austin does so safely. I, I hope anyone going to Las Vegas does so safely. And I hope everyone is having uh, a great early start to the month of November. That's all we have. I won't ramble anymore. For Chauncey, the best dog in the world. For Jimmy, the best guy in the world. My name is Scott McFarland. We love you guys and go Cats. Hail to the purple, hail to the white, wildcat in spirit, wildcat in fight. Hail alma mater from sea to sea, onward Fight UK State Wildcats for alma mater fights. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be a fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Fight, 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 fight. UK State Wildcats for alma mater fight, 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 fight. Glory in the combat for the purple and the white. Faithful to our colors, we will ever be fighting, ever fighting for a wildcat victory. Go State!
Sports Social Podcast Network.